is I've started merchant fulfilling this past year. So I merchant, yeah, I merchant fulfill it for my eBay um, and all my Walmart orders. But I also merchant fulfill a lot of my Amazon products. So what I started doing was listing everything with FBA. And then for the products I have deep stock on, I make a second listing for merchant fulfill. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Hey, wanted to talk a few moments about some sponsors. Scope from Seller Labs. Um, when's the last time you created a listing, right? And when you create that listing, you've got to come up with the keywords, right? It's all keyword dependent. I don't care if it's uh, private label or wholesale. You've got to get it right. Well, what's the best way to get it right? If you're selling a similar product that's really successful, you go and you take and use their keywords. And that's what Scope does for you. It's a phenomenal tool brought to you again by Seller Labs, the leaders in technology uh, when it comes to Amazon right now. They are just crushing it with all their products. But Scope allows you to get that listing right. Get ranked for those keywords as fast as possible. Therefore, you get the sales. So go to sellerlabs.com forward slash scope, use the code word momentum, save a little bit of money, get some free keywords to test, try it out and see if you see an improvement. If you don't adjust, what's cool about what I love about uh, Seller Labs is that you then message and say, hey, I didn't get this right, Tyler. Hey, Jeff, this isn't working right. What am I doing wrong? And boom, you're going to get the help you need. And that's what you're going to get from Seller Labs. And, and it's a very special group. They've been very, I've been very fortunate to be connected with them. And again, I look over time, they've delivered every single time. You know, same thing I can say for Karen from Solutions for E-Commerce. I mean, she's been carrying my account for a couple of years now, um, and our account, my wife and I, and she really does handle things for us. Um, I mentioned uh, just last week, we created a new listing with forget how many variations. But again, all the flat files uploaded, done as I needed. I pop in, so she'll send me a template. I pop in some information and then boom, it's handled. Oh wait, these pictures weren't done right, blah, blah, blah. This UPC needs it. Boom, modified, adjusted. And again, the communication's been phenomenal too. I get an email pack saying, hey, this was done or this, you're missing this, Steve. Hey, you got to do this. So, you know, we have those challenges too. And that's why I like working with somebody who's been doing it and been doing it for a long time. Did you know Karen also does listings for eBay? Yep, lots of them. So if you want to build out that channel, which of course you should, it's Q4, you should be selling everywhere you can, um, Karen can help you with that too. So you got to tell her I've sent you. So you're going to go to solutions for e-commerce forward slash momentum. You're going to save 50 bucks every single month. You're going to save that $50. But more importantly, you're going to get an inventory health report. Um, did you just get hit with monthly long-term storage fees? Well, guess what? If you haven't, they're coming. You want to get that inventory right, and she can help you with that. You got to tell her I sent you. Again, solutions, the number four, e-commerce forward slash momentum will get you into that. Save the 50 bucks. Get that inventory health report, though. That's really, really important. Get that going right away. And I don't want to miss my coach when it comes to retail orb or online orb. When I have a question, and I do, not that we don't we don't really do much of it anymore, but when I do have a question, I go to Gay Lisby. Because why? Because she's really... She is a coach. I mean, she's really phenomenal, but she also puts out a daily list and you're going to get that list five days a week. You're going to get tons of leads. The number of, uh, 
agreed to amount that you're supposed to get, she, she usually gets to those in the four days. And then the fifth day seems to be a bonus most of the time. Phenomenal group, small amount of uh, buyers where this list is going to. And the best thing is the nuggets that you learn. Hey, why is the red one better than the blue one? Gate can help you with those questions. I saw, hey, I got, um, I got a, the dreaded letter about a brand. Here's the, here's the way you approach it. Hey, receipts, um, how do you, what's the best practice? I saw her leading instructions, teaching me, the accountant, how to do a better job with it. And it's phenomenal. So it's Gay Lisby's um, a million dollar selling. Um, I'll have the link in here. You've got to use um, the, my, my link and, and it does help me. I don't want to say it that way, but um, it's part of Amazing Freedom with Andy Slamins, Lee Ron, Hirsch Korn, and Nate Slamins. So you know you can trust them. Okay. So come out to the website, take a look at it. And you will get uh, savings and you can get two weeks free right now. Only through my link, you get two weeks free. Try it. You don't like it? I get it. Back off. But right now is the time to make money. Get cash flow going right now. And so join. You get two weeks free. The only way you're going to get the two weeks free is if you use my link. It's on this episode. Come on out and give it a try. You will not be disappointed. Again, you're going to see me in there. So reach out if I can help you too. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. This is episode 361, Brian Salmanowitz. I didn't butcher the name. Man, oh man, what a, what a great interview. Very inspiring because, you know, he's a seller, so that's cool. And he sells on four channels, Amazon, uh, Jet, Walmart, and eBay. Um, however, he's a techno nerd. He's a software developer, ran software development divisions for big companies, Um makes friends with somebody he works with and they end up at another company and she introduces him, Barbara Boshan, introduces him to Amazon selling. He gets into it. He sees a lot of the things that his mind likes to think. There's a trend lately of a lot of software techies getting in this business because they tend to think this way. Um, and then they find uh, a need for themselves to list on other multi-channels and they create this company called Co-Merchant. That's the short version of the story. But what I really appreciated about the interview was um, the thinking behind um behind selling it's apply it's applicable to software development but it's really behind selling you know put most of your effort behind amazon because that's where the market is today however if i can do some easy things and sell it on jet and walmart and ebay i'm going to do that too however you know I'm going to merchant fulfill because this makes sense. I mean, he goes into all these different thought processes, which I think are very helpful. Um, and if you applied them in your business, and I think most of us do apply a lot of it, but if we were more consistent, more persistent, more focused, um, and built them into our operating procedures, uh, we might stop doing some of what we're doing, and we might start doing some other things that are working really well, as he said, double down on them. I think it's really smart advice, really strong interview, really strong guy. Um, let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest. A little quiet. I'm going to pull it out of him. All these details, all these nuggets that he's got hidden away. He's going to share them with us. Brian Salmanowitz. How did I do in the name, Brian? You got it. All right. Brian Salmanowitz. I got it. All right. Most people, when they hear that name, they're not going to be like, wait, do I? But they see your picture and they're going to be like, oh, wait, I know him. Yeah, I know him. He's always at every conference in the back writing code, fixing customer <laughs> service issues, dealing with problems for co-merchant. You and uh, Barbara Boshan uh, have that company and you're always with your head in your computer. Do you realize that? 
Yeah, I guess that's my background. I um, I started out in software development and uh, kind of switched over to e-commerce, selling on you know a number of marketplaces now. And then um, you know using that background to build software, when Barbara and I saw a need uh, to help Amazon sellers sell on other marketplaces, you know we decided to form a company and build Co Merchant, which you know which allows Amazon sellers to uh, you know quickly and easily move their listings over to Walmart and Jet and get additional sales that way. And we're definitely going to talk about Jet and then Walmart because uh, there's some interesting things going on. But I'm more interested first about how you got into this because, you know, you're a nerd, just like I'm an accounting <laughs> nerd. And I mean, I get it. Don't take offense at that. I mean that in the highest praise because you guys are running the world. You will run the world. There's no doubt in my mind you guys will all run the world. Um, but how, how did you kind of get into Amazon? I kind of know the story from Barbara. Um, and then what keeps you attracted to it? I think that's kind of an interesting thing because you could do anything. You could be right now writing AI stuff or you could be working for Elon Musk doing cool crap, you know, what is Canon rockets and under boring company, you know, I mean, those two things I think are reasonable questions. Yeah. So the way I got into it, um, I was working in corporate America. I was a director of software development for some big companies and worked with Barbara, uh, two of those companies. Oh, two of them. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Two different ones. We actually, uh, you follow each other. (laughs) Yeah. Not intentionally, but it it worked out that way. And, um, you know, one day I was, she was talking to me about how she was, you know, selling on eBay and Amazon in her spare time and something clicked with me. You know, I was always very entrepreneurial, but not, you know, you know, in corporate America, you really don't get the opportunity to just go after something. So I decided to try it part-time. And um, yes, I remember her telling me, just start with $500. Just buy $500 worth of merchandise and test and see what happens. Well, I was hooked. You know, that that first buy uh, turned out pretty well. And you know, I started doing it part-time. And Were you doing RA? Is that what you started as? Going yeah. to scan stuff at the store? Was the gadget... I don't know what tool you were using to scan, but was that like fascinating to you as a software developer? Did you like, whoa, this dude's figured it out? Yeah. So as a software development, yeah, but more of it, you know, I'm very analytical. So the analytics to be able to click, click, not only see what it's selling for, but see the profit I'd make mm. in, in, you know, in two, you know, in two seconds or less, that was huge. And that's really, cause you know, building, building apps, you know, I've, I've done that, you know, it's not, for me, it's not rocket science, right? It's pretty straightforward. But being able to kind of pull the different data sets together along with the profit, uh, profitability equation and be able to deliver to Amazon sellers something that can That's sexy. Like red, red light, green light in like two seconds and move on to the next item. That's sexy to you. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, do you admire the developer, whoever developed that whatever app you were using? Well, let's just say, it. which app were you using? Uh, Profit Bandit. Okay, so Profit Bandit, which is part of, um, uh, is that part engine? of a seller engine? Okay, seller engine. Yeah. So, so Profit Bandit was attractive to you. I mean, did you sit back and say, "Oh my God, this guy thinks like I do. He sees, he meets the, you know, he's, you know what I mean?" Could you guys, you do have your own language. You do speak nerd speak. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a but, little bit. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I guess I looked at it and said, "Huh, I could build that." Ah, that's it. That. Yeah, there you go. Now you're a man. But now, you know, I, so if now, he could do it, I could do it too. Yeah, but then it loses the attractiveness to me because it already exists. So I don't want to okay. build it a second time. You know, it, it worked good. 
Is that a, you know, that's interesting to think about. Is that a copycat thing for you when you see something? I mean, you want to improve it, of course. You want to advance it. But if you look at it, and I've heard this before, that if you look at something and you can't add anything to it, then you shouldn't waste your time on it. If you can't advance it any further. Right. So if it works, if it's priced effectively, if it's, you know, if it's something that's overpriced, and I'll go into that later, if something's overpriced and I think I can do it cheaper, then that's interesting. Okay. But if it's if it's doing its job well, if they're keeping up with the changes in the market, if they're priced, you know, at a rate where people will buy it, then then yeah, there's no there's no reason to go after that because it's working. Um, but if but if I see a solution that is falling short, well then that becomes very interesting because then I can you know build it better. But do you think that way about selling too? I mean, when you look at a listing, if uh, you know. Let's use if, if Amazon's on the listing, that obviously affects things, right? You know, you're looking to make your money when they run out of stock, right? Their their inefficiency is your gain. However, do you look at other items and sit back and say, I could sell that too, but that seller's doing a good job. He's making the right margin. I don't really see more that I can do. I mean, is that how your mind thinks too? Yeah. So I I'm always I'm always analyzing a million things probably every time I look at a product. So yeah, whether or not Amazon's a listing, it matters. But it matters more what price they're selling it for. Hmm. Because if I can undercut them and still make good profit, I'll buy the product. And they may come down, but you know, I will do they that. They usually come down, don't they? And they I mean, what do you do when you don't get the buy box? Usually, but not always. Okay. Um, okay. Well, so I don't get the buy box, you know, that's where we look at other marketplaces. I mean okay. I have products now Smart. that are yep. selling like crazy on Walmart and eBay and not on Amazon. It, it it does um, it does kind of that's why I love having multiple marketplaces. So if something goes cold on one, I still have other options. When you're looking at, I mean, and and I, I want to finish the story of how you you know you got in and all that jazz. But but it, it got me thinking about this. When you're saying about multiple marketplaces, you know, is it is it number of units to really optimize? I mean, I know it's a software issue, so I guess that's why Co-Merchant exists, right? But but is it the number of items that you sell that you can optimize because what you just described is perfect you know amazon you you put it in there you're you know a buck or two bucks below them you're selling and then all of a sudden you never get the buy box so you're not really selling it much so you put it on these other channels and you then get the best price because i would assume you wouldn't undercut if you're the only person selling it on walmart you would raise your price i mean if it's a hot product is it the number of units to be really effective and efficient does that really matter? I don't so, know if I asked that the right way. I mean, I, I, do you get what I'm saying? Is kind of like, you know, is it is it mass or is it focus? So for me, it's probably more mass, right? Oh, so my my strategy is, you know, so I probably have, I don't know, maybe a thousand active SKUs, twelve hundred, something like that. Now, many of those are multiple sizes. I sell a lot in the footwear category. So you get multiple sizes of the same thing, right? So, so it, that, that number's a little inflated versus actual products. But it's still, every size has to be tracked for inventory, et cetera. Um, so I, I do a fairly wide assortment of products. Um, I do try to buy deep also. So hmm. it's rare. I don't buy one-offs very frequently. Um, you know, I'm looking to buy, you know, a case at at the minimum, if that gives you an idea, you know, 10, 12, 15 units, because it has to be worth creating the listing. It has to be worth moving that listing 
to multiple marketplaces. Even with software, it does take a little time. Um, the items that you know I buy deep stock in, like 500 units, 1,000 units, well, those are the ones I'm going to optimize, right? I'm going to uh, okay. fix that makes the fixtures. Sense, so it's That's, both the one you described. So when I was saying it, which was kind of a roundabout way of saying it, you're saying it's really both, Steve. However, I'm going to focus on the biggest fruit, right? The stuff that's going to give you the biggest reward. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's all about total profit. Hmm. So, you know, if I can sell something, make $5 a unit, if I can sell 100 a day, that's great. Whereas something else, maybe I only sell one a day, but I make $100 profit. So to me, it's, you know, I, I always combine, I look at the sales rank, I look at the listing. Sometimes the listing's bad and the sales rank's bad. And I'm like, and I think to myself, I could probably fix that listing because I've sold similar products and they've sold well. So if I fix the listing, it's going to take off. And I take a lot of chances like that. Because well, let's not, stop out there a second because that's a yeah. good point. All right, so you're, let's just take that example. So it's a pair of shoes, um, and the listing's poor, the, the photos, either the photo's poor, the title's poor, the bullet points are poor, whatever there, it is. It's no just a crappy child, listing. Right, right. There's no parent-child, right, yeah, especially with shoes because of the nonsense. Yep. That's right. So let's just assume that's right. So when you there's already a seller on the listing most of the time, right, because it's, it's just not selling. Somebody's already on the listing. Are you looking then— okay, it's not selling, I can improve it, I should be able to improve the sales velocity because I've sold like things, so there's the mental connection. Then do you say, that seller's selling it at 50 bucks, I'm going to sell it at $55 or $45 to get that velocity? Because would you get the buy box? Right? I mean, I, that's, I'm, that's where I'm kind of, when you're looking at that, what's going through your mind decision-wise? Um, right, so... My selling price a lot of times depends on how much I buy and what I buy it for. So if it, let's say they're selling at 50. If I'm buying it for 15, then I know I can, I can drop the price and still make good profit. So maybe I would drop it to 45. And so, so wait, let's just stay there a second. So, so then it's like I'm looking at this listing, right? I, I mean, do you is it the cart before the horse? Do you, do you find the $15 shoes first and then say, let me go look at the listing that's on Amazon? And I'm like, ooh. That's a crappy listing. They're selling it at 50. Uh, I can sell it at 45 and improve the listing, and boom, I'm going to blow it out. Is that is that kind of the mental shift, or do you start the other way, find the crappy listing, then go find the product? No, I, so I always I always find the source first because if okay. I can't buy it, you know, a, lot of, a lot of shoe companies in particular <laughs> won't sell to the average e-commerce person. So if I find a source, um, then I go do my research. Hmm. And now, I mean, to me, this is very, very smart thinking. Okay. So you find a source like, you know, I'll go to shoe shows. Let's just use that as a good example. That's mm -hmm. a good place to go. And when you go to a shoe place, a shoe show, there'll be lots of vendors and a lot of them won't sell to you if you're selling on Amazon. Okay. You take them out of the picture for this discussion. Then you can say to them, hey, do you have any closeouts? Is that the kind of stuff that you're looking at uh, um, to say, you know, hey, you know, um, let's use Tiva, for example. You have a bunch of Tiva uh, closeouts. Um, you know, what could I do on the price? Is that where you start there? Or are you looking at the regular wholesale price? So, yes and no. So, oh. when... I was Depend. I was the answer is depends. <laughs> yeah, so let me get, give you some examples. I was at a shoe show recently, and yeah, went around to them, and you know, 75% are going to say, your Amazon can't sell to you, right off mm -hmm. the bat. Okay, well, you just yeah, say, accept the no, move on, right? 
sometimes you can kind of talk to those people about closeouts and there's different rules with closeouts, but it really depends on who you're talking to. If you're talking to a third party sales rep, yeah. There are oh. no rules. Well, or the rules can't be broken. You know, there's no bending because oh, okay. they're a third party sales rep. So once you find, you know, what I what I found my own experience is the normal wholesale list for the current season's products, there's very little money to be made on those. Yeah. Because they're selling to every mom and pop across the country, those that are left, and almost all of those are selling online now to try to stay in business. So they're all getting it for the same price. They're all selling it online for next to no profit. Um, so I will go through those. I will go through a brand or two here and there and, to, and you know, spot check a few SKUs, see if I'm wrong. <laughs> but a lot of times there's not a lot of um, – those aren't the best deals. Closeouts can be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, or they can be shelf uh, fillers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? If, you, if you don't buy them right. You, you got to know – you got to know what you're buying. You know, I've had, I'll, I'll give one example. I was able to buy some closeout athletic cleats at a really good price. And, you know, that was a huge, <laughs> a huge product for me this past year where I bought thousands of pairs and sold them at a huge markup through a closeout. And, you know, you think about it, you know, people are willing to spend a lot of money on their kids and for their kids' sports. <laughs> So spending 30, 40 bucks for a pair of cleats is like a no-brainer for people. You know, it turns out. And I, what price did you buy them at? Let's just finish the story, just to give us the. You know, you might you can't just tease us a little yeah, bit. You got to so give us the whole. I bought them at an average price of about six dollars. Oh my goodness! So okay, so that was great, and that was that's an example of a great find. And but those are hard to find. You know, it's hard to find those opportunities. But when you find one, you have to go all in, right? That's the that's the point where I said I want them all. <laughs> Well, yeah, because the risk is minimal, right? That $6 risk versus the reward, right? You have to sell how many of them right. to make, uh, you know, when you like sell cold, one, like that buys five or six pairs, right? Yeah. Do you, now that, that example there, did that sell on one channel or did you sell it on all three channels? I sold them, I tried to sell them on all four channels. Um, all four channels. Okay. So most, and, and this is actually a, a really interesting technique that I can share um, that I started this past year. Oh, he's going to drop something. Here we go. Okay. So I believe in Amazon FBA, right? So when mm-hmm. I sell on Amazon, I try to ship almost everything into FBA. However, I do not believe in Amazon FBA for multi-channel fulfillment, for fulfilling my eBay and Jet orders. Walmart doesn't even allow it. But because FBA, the multi-channel at least, doesn't ship on time all the, very frequently, they have no service level agreement. So if they're late, Nothing you can do about it. Yeah, too bad. Yeah, yeah. They charge more, which is like the easiest thing, which is the least. Uh, sorry, the least problem. And the other big issue is they don't always ship with tracking numbers that can be tracked. So if they use their own Amazon logistics, you know, to eBay, there that's like no tracking number. So you mm. you kind of get dinged for not having a tracking number. So what I've started doing is I've started merchant fulfilling this past year. So I merchant, yeah, I merchant fulfill it from my eBay um, and all my Walmart orders, but I also merchant fulfill a lot of my Amazon products. So what I started doing was listing everything with FBA, and then for the products I have deep stock on, I make a second listing for merchant fulfill. And I, a second FNSKU or a second, you don't know, create a whole new listing. 
So same ASIN. No, no, not, same ASIN. Okay. Yeah, just yeah, like right, a second, right. okay. like right, a second right. condition, okay. I think they call it. Yep. Yeah. And okay. I make that a merchant field listing. And what I do then is I use Amazon to ma- manage my inventory, kind of like a cheap inventory management solution. Mm-hmm. I manage it in Amazon. I synchronize those listings, those merchant fulfilled listings to eBay and to Jet and Walmart. Oh, interesting. And using our co-merchant software, it synchronizes the inventory for me. So, so, so let's just pause a second because a, a yep. lot of people are going to listen to this and say, wait, your FBA listings for eBay, I understand that Walmart won't allow it and, mm-hmm. you know, and w- Amazon intentionally raised their prices, did all that stuff to stop it, right? They're not fools. Um, so, well, but there is, well, I, I just think they, they said, hey, this, we're not going to help our competitor. If we are, we might as well make money at it, right? That, well, yes. So I think you're that both right. So with eBay, though, however, I mean, there are softwares that will allow you to sync up your FBA inventory with eBay. Um, is it now, again, because of the, the, the lack of quality of Amazon? Or, or like you said, in fairness, they're using their own ch- trucks to deliver stuff and all different kinds of things. That, ju- that precludes the value because the risk... Um, to your account, you know, even your eBay account can get shut down um, it, and your reputation. It's not worth it. So, so the biggest thing for me with eBay, because I was using software to, right. to do that, is that I could never become a top seller uh, okay. because my fulfillment metrics were, let's say they were at 80 or 85 percent and they needed to be higher. So there was no way for me to become a top seller on eBay using uh, FBA, the multi-channel fulfillment, because they I, they just wouldn't ship on time frequently enough. Okay. All right. So that makes sense. So, so okay. All right. I get that completely. And that's that's recently changed within the last couple of years, right? I mean, you know, if you think about it, two or three years ago, Amazon wasn't delivering their own stuff generally. Um, they were everybody, They were using generic boxes. You paid a little extra fee, and the box didn't have the smile on the side, right? All that, that changed in the last few years. Okay. All right. So by doing it the way you're describing, I mean, you really have created, I mean, a whole, almost a separate division in your company, Brian. <laughs> well, it is, it, right? It, I mean, when you think about it, it really is. Yeah. Hmm. So, and you know, I, I will share that I work out of the house, right? This is not a huge business, um, but it does change the way I go about things, right? You know, shipping orders is a little bit overwhelming when you first start because you can't really take days off um, without coverage. You know, you have to ship every day. Um, but once you get, once you figure it out, once you figure out some of the intricacies of working with the post office, for instance, it, you know, it can become very easy and you can actually make more money than, you know, using FBA, uh, definitely for multi-channel. I mean, so, so explain that a little bit. Well, a lot of times, you know, the one that we hit the most is, um, the oversized versus standard size FBA distinction. Right. Drives me crazy as it does many people. We sell a lot of plush items, like stuffed animals, pillows, things like that, blankets. Well, if you push down on them, you know, they're wider than if you don't. You know, if you squish them a little bit, you know, I have have items that I can ship in a, like a 12 by 10 by four box, which is standard size. Amazon's considering them oversized. And I mean, that used to be a small change in price. Now it's like, could be five, ten bucks more. 
Right, right. That's material, right? So it, that has a, it's so, very significant, but, yeah. But don't you lose now? I mean, here I am now. I'm sitting in a big warehouse and I'm merchant fulfilling scads right now. I mean, we FBA, of course, but we are right now. There's an, a product that went hazmat. Blah blah. Long story. Mm-hmm. Long, long, crazy story. Can't get it out of there. Uh, there are attorneys involved. It's that level. But we have to merchant fulfill, and the only way you can get them is merchant fulfill. So we are pumping out scads of them. So I get it. But generally, if you don't have that opportunity, aren't you losing the buy box because somebody else is willing to eat that five or ten bucks most times, Brian? Right. So, so that's why I say we still do, we still do FBA for almost everything, okay. for that reason, because you will get more sales to, if you're prime, without a doubt. So, but what I'm unwilling to do is then pay a couple dollars even more than that for my multi-channel. Yeah, yeah. Now that makes sense. It it used to make sense. It just doesn't make as much sense today, and hence the reason people are trying to find another option. Have you looked at fulfillment companies, or just are you not at that scale, or don't want to get to that scale where it makes a lot of sense? I haven't looked seriously at them. I've talked to one or two of them. Um, the challenge is most of them are not prime eligible. Right. So why would I bother? You know, that's the way I look at it. Um, my my sales from other marketplaces are not huge enough yet. I'm not at that scale where it makes sense for me to send cases to a third-party fulfillment center. Now, do you do any uh, seller-fulfilled prime out of your home too? I do not. I have Mm -hmm. played with that idea. I mean, seller-fulfilled prime, the only way it's going to work for me would be to limit it obviously to my geographic region. So I'm in the Northeast. So I could pick a handful of states in the Northeast. I, you know, I've, I've been back and forth on that. I, I've decided not to do it yet um, because, again, most of my items are prime anyway. And you really have to get have your stuff, your shipping uh, process in good shape to take that on because it's very easy to lose money. Oh, it's, you've got to be in perfect shape because it's coming in, was it by 1 o'clock or whatever it is. You've got to be done. It's got to be out, and it's got to be delivered. Um, so generally, you have to have relationships with FedEx um, it, generally it's going to be FedEx that's going to give you the, the speed of delivery because um, a post office just isn't going to do it for most places. So, yeah. hmm, so we're not that Yeah, me neither. Um, we look at it and we, we talk about Andy, who's, who shares a warehouse. We talk about it all the time and both of us are like, eh, I don't know if we can meet it. And we ship every day. But it's one of those things that, you know, the risk your metrics of uh, – because of inefficiency of third-party companies, for example, um, we have trouble getting UPS to show up when they say they're going to, you know, and that's a challenge, right? Those things, I just saw somebody else post something about that. That That's real. I mean, and that affects us um, yeah, we have, we have the same outside issue. of our control. We have the same yeah. issue with the post office. And, you know, whatever reason, I live in a small town, Mondays, they get slammed. You know, <laughs> come back on Cyber Monday after the, after the Black Friday weekend, I just, I drove everything over to the post office myself rather than risk it. I took some heat for this yesterday uh, from Andy and, and another person because I was delivering it to the post office. If I wait for them to show up, I will grow a, a bigger beard than what I'm, my November beard is currently. Um, <laughs> so I took four truckloads over to the post office yesterday um, myself because I, I just – now, what's cool, and if you develop – kind of you talked about this, the relationship, they allow me on the back dock now right. with a cart that I can load – they make it. If you make their life easier, they will make your life easier, right? It's all relationship driven. Um, yeah, we, but I'm in the same boat. And we we do the same thing. I mean, we've got great. I've got 
thankfully, great relationships with the post office, FedEx, and UPS, whoever I'm using. Uh, but you know, you have to understand their situation too. The post office, they're getting, yeah, they're getting slammed, especially after weekends unless the holiday season. So yeah, try to meet them halfway. And when we brought out. our fourth pickup truck load yesterday, it was it was after five, and they said I can bring them till six. We had in our town they take it to a regional hub um, up in Harrisburg, and they had not left yet. And I could see the two people who were loading the truck looked at me with these, this like oh god here he comes, and he's got two two of those giant carts filled, whatever they call them, BMCs, whatever they were. They looked at me like oh my god, they hated me, you know. And it's like yeah. more, you know. You're about, and I feel for them. You're talking about people who don't get paid by the piece <laughs> yeah yeah they definitely don't get paid by the piece and you know and i get it i feel for them you know i bring them donuts and i try to be nice to them but i i get it but there's a point that's outside of your control right right uh we had a snowstorm i think you might have had the same snowstorm um maybe a couple weeks ago and when i went there and I, the guy was like oh yeah our stuff didn't get out yesterday and i'm literally thinking to myself oh my god oh i gave them a zillion packages and none of it got out yesterday now, that affects things all the way through the pipeline, because once they dump that in the pipeline, which is already full, now it's completely overloaded. What happens? And that's the point of Seller Fulfilled Prime is that stuff is outside of your control. Yeah. And, and, and we, I tell you, we, with standard and even expedited shipping that we offer, we usually have a day or two of, of give in there because we ship immediately. We ship usually within half a day of receiving the order. And we buffer our times a little bit on Amazon, so we have an extra day usually. You know, I'm sitting here thinking about this in your example, and it's kind of my example with the podcast because I make money on my podcast. You make money on your software. Is it? Do you feel like you're in a much better position than most because to be able to handle Merchant Fulfilled? That's where I was going with this. I guess should clarify my point. Because you're able to work from home, um, because you have these other things that allow you to work from home, and that allows you to ship twice a day or whatever. Do you feel that's an advantage? Because I do. So, so I think I think anyone can do merchant fulfilled, right? I, I don't think you know anyone can do it. People do it on eBay, you know, with stuff they bought at garage sales. I mean, anyone can do merchant fulfilled. You need you need the supplies. You need some tools, right? You need label printers, scales, things like that. But I don't think that's a huge barrier to entry. What gets complicated is when you start offering the same products merchant fulfilled on multiple marketplaces, you need to manage your inventory so you don't you know, outsell your inventory. And that's where you need to leverage tools. Um, you, know, you don't need to be a software developer. You don't have to be super technical. But you do need to be organized. You kind of need to understand how everything flows. And um, you know, we, have, we have a lot of customers who are doing this uh, – you know, with Amazon and Walmart and Jet and their merchant fulfill, and it works pretty well. So, it, you know, it, it's you don't need to be super technical, but you need to use the technology that's out there to uh, to make it manageable. And, and you need to have processes, right? And if software is sure. obviously going to be a piece of that process, to me that and for example, we didn't plan this this uh, hazmat issue, and so all of a sudden we have thousands of merchant fulfills guess what we didn't have boxes for thousands we didn't have tape for believe it or not i ran out of tape i mean think one of the big taboos i mean i was using i mean some ugly looking tape 
but it's one of the big, t- but what do you do? You know I mean? Cause you just can't, um, and labels, you know, you just don't plan for that. And again, it's outside of your control. If you don't have the processes in place. Now, fortunately I have an, a, a company called associated bag by me, sure. um, which is like a U line. Um, and they're literally three miles from my, so I can go pick up stuff, but it's just, it's one of those issues that I don't think people think through. Um, let, let's talk about jet for a sec or, uh, excuse me, co-merchant, does it allow, because I know, I understand it allows you to list in one place and then brings it across other channels. Does it also then help manage your inventory across all them? Or is that kept, I mean, how does that work? So the quick answer is yes. Um, okay. So, it so with, okay. with Jet, Jet, allow, Jet allows FBA, or at least it doesn't explicitly not allow it. Today. Today, <laughs> and it's kind of a grandfathered in thing from sellers who are on there early on but so for what we can do for jet is we can sync your you know a seller's fba inventory to jet okay so so whatever i have in fba that number when one sells on jet it automatically lowers it sure. from amazon's okay. yeah automatically so we create the multi-channel fulfillment order which which reduces it okay um and if you sell some on amazon we automatically tell jet you have less available now okay, okay. or if you restock we you know so that works. Now with both Jet and Walmart, if you're doing merchant fulfilled listings, if you have merchant fulfilled listings on Amazon and you can type in your quantity, we sync that as well. Oh. So if you're a merchant fulfilled shipper or like me, you create a second listing, we can synchronize that merchant fulfilled listing quantity over to Jet and Walmart. Okay. And it works the same way as that FBA. We keep them in sync. And this way, you still have to manage your merchant fulfilled inventory but you can do it in one place so generally you would update that you know let's say you got a new case came in you can up up you know, increase it by six and then that that number gets sent over to jet and walmart so that they now know that there's six more available okay so let's add ebay into the mix now let's let's get the full four right so we plan to support co-merchants we plan to support ebay next year and add them on okay. currently i use a different tool it does the same thing Right. So as long as they sync inventory with Amazon, then my eBay is kept in sync. Which tool is that? You could say. Yeah, I'm using Joe Lister. Joe Lister. Okay. That's the one I was thinking of that used to be great for FBI. So, but it still offers the value for merchant fulfillment. Yeah. And I'm not sure if they always did that. That may have, I I think we we started using it in the past year. So I'm not sure if they just added it then. Okay, so that tool is a good example of one that's working and it's pretty inexpensive. So why 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 it's not the lowest hanging fruit for you? That's why it's last on the yep. list, right? Um, so to me, okay, so because ideally you would want them, you don't want to use a second piece of software. So ideally, that's why you got to add it eventually. Okay, so so with Joe or Co Merchant, I can then put in my inventory, Merchant Fulfilled. I mean, you could do it FBA too, but but it obviously, it doesn't make as much sense um, with Walmart. You can't. So that still allows me. Can the same co-merchant account then handle the FBA jet and then also handle the merchant fulfilled? Like, I don't have to have two accounts with you? No, it's just no, it's one, one okay, account. So it's one. And it's based on the listing. If the listing in Amazon is FBA, then it can sync the FBA quantity. If it's a merchant fulfilled listing in Amazon, then it syncs as merchant fulfilled. Now... Um, let's go a little deeper. Does it allow you to keep the value of your inventory in any way in co-merchant? Meaning like the cost of the inventory? Cost of goods. No, we do not do that. So we're not, okay. we're not a full-scale inventory management system. You're just a logistics system, really, is what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, 
we're a listing service, so we allow people to list, and we add some additional features to make it easy. So our our real our goal with Comerchant is to allow people who are on Amazon to sell on Walmart and Jet for very little effort. Oh, interesting. Does it create labels? So when I'm when I'm going to list for FBA, does it create labels for FBA? Labels for FBA. You mean what kind of labels are we talking? Yeah. Are you talking about? Uh, okay, so FBA, FN SKU labels. Correct. No, it does not. Right. So okay. you would. All right. So use that's where you're using like an inventory lab or a scan power or one of those. Yeah, or Seller Central. Or at or Amazon. Yeah. Right. Right. Some people. <laughs> hey, I'm I've been with Scan Power forever. Yeah, one of Chris's old dudes. I just can't. I love Chris. I, I work directly with Seller be, so. Central. Um, create my listings there, and then what I what I do, and it's the best practice we've seen with our customers is I have VAs who periodically move my listings to Jet and Walmart. Right. So, so our team, we create the listings in Amazon, and then on a weekly basis, my VAs automatically move them over to Jet and Walmart oh, for me and eBay. That's a pro tip right there. That is a very pro tip. So because, let I me mean, let's face it. I mean, it's, it's, this is where you're going to be like, duh, Steve. Everybody else is saying, duh. Amazon is going to have the best photo because they make it, right? They require or it. Or it. They're going to. Right, right. But I mean, they're going to require it. They're going to check it, make sure it meets the requirements for Google, sure. right? That's what they do. Better than where eBay's catching up to that, Amazon started that way. So there they're going to say, hey, wait a second. I assume since they're the standard, their, their stuff is acceptable on every other channel, right? I mean, it seems reasonable to me. Yeah, I would say most okay. of the time. Logically. Yeah, logically. Their title's going to be, you, you would think, probably optimized um, for Google again. I mean, they're going to force you to optimize now, whether you write it right or yeah, not. Uh, a bad listing on Amazon is a bad listing on Walmart, right? right? That doesn't matter. But, but right. most of the time, you create your listing on Amazon and you spend your time there because that's where you're going to make the most money, right? Amazon's by far the biggest marketplace. So that's where I invest my time. That's where I invest my, you know, I want full-time employees' time. We get that listing looking good. And then we had the VAs who had a fraction, you know, a very small price. Oh, dude, so small. They move everything over in batch. And they do it, they don't do it as, you know, listing by listing as we had them. They just do it once a week. You know, they'll load 50 or 100 over to those platforms. And they do it within, with Comerchant, less than an hour. You know, they do it very quickly. There are. Now, what allows them to do that? I mean, so, because that sounds, I mean, other than going into Amazon and copy-paste, right? Does Comerchant give you the ability to do some of that? Yes. So, so that's, that's what Comerchant does. That's its main function, um, is, is moving listings over to these platforms. So what they would do is they go into Comerchant, and they run an export of all my new Amazon listings that are, let's say, not loaded in Walmart yet. Right? And a few minutes later, they'll have a file. They'll make a few tweaks, and they'll import the file back in, and it'll load to Walmart. So... There's a few differences with every marketplace. Um, different, mm -hmm. you know, the big one would be nuances, nuances like, like right? they have different categories. So Comerchant actually maps the categories from Amazon over to Walmart and Jet. And we, you know, we get it probably 75% of the time. We're able to map those categories. But, you know, the, the VA will say, you know what, this is footwear, <laughs> you know, category for Walmart, or this is clothing. Uh, Jet's a little more granular, but um, that's what we use VAs for. They assign the categories. You know, Walmart requires description, product descriptions. Amazon doesn't always, so they might need to fill in some descriptions, and then we load them up. 
So and and what we just, what we found was a lot of people out there, a lot of our co merchant customers needed the service. So we we extended our VA service to actually handle our customers' listings as well. So for an added fee, okay, so just, I can add in a fee, right? Yeah. Right. So you can do, but it's just so smart because, as you say, the value of your time should be where the biggest reward is. And as you're saying, it's in Amazon. You know, eighty percent of the time, that's where your sales go. When you look at your sales, let's just talk about that for a second, because you're a seller and you're selling on four different channels. Um, if you broke down your sales by percentage, could you could you give us kind of an outline of what you what you're seeing? Yes, I'm actually going to pull it up because on a monthly basis, I. I report on it that way. You're a nerd. You're a nerd. Yeah. Dude. I'm just saying. And I mean that <laughs> hey, in the most gotta, generous way. It's cool. Yeah, I get it. I get it. All right. So um, in October, I will say that Walmart was 8% of my Amazon sales. eBay was 4%. Jet was about 1%. And so Amazon, wait, so you mean of total sales. So, yeah. so that means that Amazon was 87%. I think I did that math right. Uh, eight, four, and yep. one. Is that what you said? Okay. So 10%, you know, let's just, uh, of, you know, uh, it's 10 to one Amazon to Walmart. And that's probably fair for most. I mean, when you look at your clients, is that, is that experience reasonable? Yeah, it, it varies widely, right? So it varies widely based on the products. Um, I, what I will say on Walmart and honestly, all these platforms, private label is a little harder to sell on these other For platforms sure. because yeah, no reputation, no reputation. There's no ability to do a lot of sponsorships. You know, a lot of the marketing you can do on Amazon to get your new products moving. These other platforms aren't that sophisticated yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're seeing sellers who have all their SKUs merchant fulfilled have similar results. We have a lot of people who are like 90, you know, maybe 10% of their SKUs they can merchant fulfill. So, you know, their sales are less because they're not putting up all their listings. Well, that makes sense too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes perfect sense. So SKU, on a SKU basis, is it, is it still about 90, 10? I mean, is that? Yeah, I think I think people, you know, a reasonable expectation is 5 to 10% of your Amazon sales is what you can expect right now on okay. Walmart. And it's, it's not, I mean, if you're selling a million bucks, that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, it, I would love a 10% increase for sales without adding more products. And like you guys did is figure out a way to make it easy to do those listings. So now you just got to figure out how to, sh- to sell, to ship them. That's the barrier. That is a barrier. But hey, let's do that math, right? So if you're selling a million dollars on Amazon and you can realistically get $100,000 of additional sales on these other platforms combined, you probably have enough margin in there that you could hire somebody to do your merchant fulfilled. That, hence the reason you have one staff member, right? Yeah. I mean, that one staff member actually does a lot of my Amazon business. Um, but mo- but yes, a person, a yeah, fraction that's of reasonable. that person, a VA, and it's done. And it's not mm. even a full VA. Now it's... Um, it makes a lot, and that's the idea that we went with co-merchant, right? We want to, if, if you can get 10% for very little effort and money, who wouldn't take that? Yeah, yeah 100%, right? It's not like you have to go out and hunt other things. All right, let's talk about this because, you know, Jet, Jet is Jet, right? Jet is definitely, I'm, I use this term with Brian and the pre-call where I said they kind of narrowed their focus and he's like, that's a generous term. <laughs> they definitely have, right? It's definitely gotten, it's harder to get on. They have weeded a lot of people out. What's working has been narrowed, right? Is that fair? Are all those things fair? 
yeah, they're fair. They're generous. Um, Jet, and I got to watch what I say, but Jet, what I would yeah. say is they're turning from a marketplace into a store. So instead oh. of being an open marketplace where everybody can put their wares up there for sale, Jet is now curating their catalog like their Macy's. They're picking and choosing what they want in their store. They're turning off all the listings they don't want. They're turning off all the sellers who are primarily selling products that they don't want to lower, you know, to lower their support costs. And their focus is on affluent urban customers, whatever their version of that means. <laughs> And so are, are they, you know, not that I'm saying that Amazon's doing this, but I've seen that they've been accused of copying good private label products and putting them out as Amazon's choice or whatever other name they can come up with, one of their 50 names. Um, is Jet doing that also, or are they keeping the third-party seller of that wonderful gadget that matches their audience need? We haven't seen any evidence of that with Jet. Um, okay. it, you know, they started out with, like, household cleaning supplies, household goods. Um, they're trying to find some niche markets because, you know, they were, they were purchased by Walmart a few years ago and they Mm -hmm. can't compete head to head with Walmart. So they're trying to become more of a niche site and the niche they've, the niche they've selected is, you know, whatever urban affluent means. Um, but they're trying to do things like in the grocery category, fresh food delivery, things like that. But no, we haven't seen, honestly, I think if anyone's going to go after, you know, private label products and try to copy, it'll probably be Walmart on their site. Yeah. More okay. so than Jet. That makes sense. Okay, so so that's Jet. So, you know, knowing what you know now and you have a business that helps people get on Jet. So this is probably a loaded question for you. But is your recommendation for people to even spend the time cuz you described it as 1%, I think you said. I mean, is it 1% of your million dollar seller is what 10 G's? Um, you know, depending on what your margin is, is it worth the time today or does it depend on the category? I mean, I guess, I guess you would say, uh, Steve, if you're going to sell to whatever that affluent group of people, that might make sense. Yeah. So I guess what I would say is if you're a small to mid-sized seller, if you're doing RA, if you're doing private label, probably not worth your time. Not worth your time. Start with Walmart. Definitely. Walmart, right. we're seeing much better results. Um, if you are a big manufacturer, if you're a large distributor, oh. well, then Jet could very well be a great place for you. You know, if you, oh, yeah, you know, smart. So, so, if you're selling name brands, Jet could be a very good place, right? So, so those are the things. If, if you're going to sell on Jet and your, you know, your name brand products, you're large, then it could be worth it because you're going to be more likely to have a lot of you know a good percentage of your catalog that jet wants yeah yeah and you don't have the inefficiencies of that third that third party right and so you can you can scale um you know and, and take that inefficiency out all right well then let's go to walmart okay so when you now right i mean walmart was very wonky for a long time some would argue it's still wonky, you know, but we're comparing it to Amazon, which is generally really strong. Right? They get most Amazon gets most things right. I know they got catalog issues and <laughs> counterfeit and blah 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 blah, right? All that nonsense. But generally speaking, they get you know most things right. Um, Walmart has definitely. I mean, when you look at last year versus this year, how much more right has Walmart got? 
Um, you know, I would say in general, Walmart, it, it works. You know, I, there's a lot of I, we have a lot of issues with Jet and it, it, where the systems just are challenging. But Walmart, you know, their search on their site tends to work when you feed them listings. You know, they get processed. They usually get accepted. There might be some errors, but like their system works. Their selling model is decent, um, but there's there's a lot of challenges with them as with it. But how different is it? I mean, I, I guess it is, are we starting to see an improvement? Um, I mean, because sales are selling. You're seeing an improvement in sales. Yeah, so they're driving more traffic. And so, so what okay. I will say is, the order process is working really well. They've just enhanced their system to support returns. <laughs> because before we had, I had you know customers calling me at dinner um, with you know wanting to return, so they're actually going to support you know facilitate the return process. So that's much better. Um, where we've seen some challenges is in listing creation. You know, multiple sellers, you know, they, they use UPC code as their unique identifier on Walmart. So, you know, if someone else loaded something with your UPC code previously, um, you know, things get... Which has happened. Which happens quite frequently. You know, not quite frequently, but it happens, especially with bundles like two-packs and three-packs, things like that. Sometimes you get mismatches because on Walmart, they actually do the matching, right? You load up your listings, they match on UPC. Are they using GS1? Is that what yeah. they do? Well, they're okay. using UPC code. I don't know that. I don't see them validating against GS1 the way Amazon does. Okay. Hmm. So, so listing creation. Uh, we've had some people with challenges with parent, you know, creating parent-child. Usually works, not always though. But for the most part, um, it's functioning fairly well. And and I mean, I, I I'm still trying to pull it out of you. Is it better today than it was a year ago versus a year before that? I mean, or the problems just new problems? Maybe that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> I I think it's getting a little better. I don't think it's okay. I don't think it, it was totally broken a year ago. Um, you, you know, trying to work directly with Walmart's seller tools is challenging. You know, their seller okay portal, as a developer, their seller portal isn't you know as easy to use. Let's say as Amazon. But they're making improvements, so that's getting better. Um, using software like such as us, we're able to integrate with them fairly well. So I think it's it's got to go in the right direction. It's getting better. Uh, well, then yeah. let me ask this because I don't know that I did ask this the right way. As a developer, as a software developer, now you're dealing with uh, four different companies. I know your eBay stuff isn't out yet, but you know you're dealing with them all. From a development point of view, where are the biggest challenges with Walmart for you? Uh, with Walmart, I don't think we have huge challenges with them. Um, I guess the biggest challenge is, you know, when you make updates, it just takes them a while to process them. Do you get the same level of access to their API that you do at Amazon's? Well, yeah, it may take them an hour to, to process it. So there's, there's a little bit of like that delay going back and forth, which, you know, people are used to seeing real time. But it works, you know. They, it gets processed. Um, so, I really, you know, the Walmart, you know, from a developer perspective, Walmart works pretty well. Okay, okay. Well, that's interesting. Do you are they giving you more access, um, or I mean, are there are there things in Walmart's database that you don't have access to that you sit back and wish you did have access to? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the biggest one is the full listing data. 
So let's say I upload my listings. I can't get that data back out of Walmart. And there and there's times. Um, well, wait, wait, wait! I don't understand that. I mean, remember, I'm not I'm a nerd and an accounting sure. nerd, not a, uh, a IT nerd. So so explain it again. So give me an example. Let's say I upload a listing. Let's say it's you know I got some pictures and some keywords, you know, description, bullets, whatever. If I upload that um, to Walmart, there's no way programmatically for me to get that data back. So what we would love to do in like our code mention software is refresh the full listing based on the Walmart listing. So maybe maybe another seller made some changes to the listing. Maybe Walmart updated the listing. Um, there's no way to get that data back. So, and then you would squeeze out the change so you notice the change. Is that yeah, what you would we, do we as could, a programmer? We could highlight right. the change, okay. or we could at least, okay. you know, maybe the product title got totally changed. It would be nice to be able to see that. Um, or maybe you want to edit your keywords um, that, that were previously entered. You know, we, we have a lot of that. If you loaded it through CoMerchant, we store all that. We have it. Um, but if changes were made, let's say through the Walmart seller center, their portal, um, you know, that we wouldn't get access to, you know, may have that available. So it's, it's a little wonky. I mean, every marketplace has their, their little quirks and that's one for Walmart. Yeah. Well, there's a human that developed it and they have a thought process and yep. each one is different, right? I mean, that makes sense to me. Hmm. You know, I sit back and I think about where we started the conversation and I was thinking about what keeps you in this because you, like I said, you could be going making those cool cannons. That cannon looks cool with the Elon Musk, that one with the fire (laughs) cannon. That looks pretty cool, right? As As a software developer, you could be in any field that you want. What keeps you in this, um, specific e-commerce? Well, I mean, the number one thing for me is, well, top two things, right? One is it's fast moving and changing. And that keeps me interested. Yeah, you know, I, I, I love solving problems. I love building solutions. I do not like doing the same thing every day. And even with my selling business, you know, every year I'm learning new ways to do things, ways to optimize um, new marketplaces. So, so it's changing for me, which is one thing I love. Um, the other is I like the idea that at the work I do each day, has a direct correlation to my paycheck, right? Oh, interesting. As opposed to corporate companies where they could do really well and I don't see it um, or see much difference. Or they could, you know, obviously if they do really poorly, it's a different story. Um, but I, I like the idea that my extra effort, um, you know, directly ties to, to my take-home pay. Um, you know, I enjoy, but I, and I enjoy the idea of online selling. I mean, this time of year, in the fourth quarter, it's such a rush, you know. It's a definite rush. <laughs> it is. Even when you got that big mountain of merchant fulfilled sets of shoes to ship, Brian, it's a rush, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to say I worked a, a ten or twelve hour day, took an hour off for dinner and family time. I went back and worked another couple hours last night. It's um, because if you're going to work an extra time, now's the time of year to do it. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, do you feel less than because you got you know advanced college degrees and you were professional running a you know a whole teams right big companies and stuff and then you were down there either in your garage or in your basement putting tape on boxes <laughs> you know i mean you know when you think about it you know and, and they would be like well that's ten dollar an hour work brian that's not you're you're worth more than that 
I, how, how do you mentally get through that? Because I bet you, because I, I struggle with it sometimes. I, you know, the last couple of days, you know, I think, I, you know, I used to make God awful amount of money. And here I am putting a label on a box. But then again, there's something very rewarding when you hand it off to that third party FedEx, UPS. It's, it's rewarding. It's like accomplishment. So for me, anyway, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't feel any less value doing that task. Um, you know, there, there are tasks I really don't like to do, and I try to get the VAs uh, to do those for me, such as cleaning up the background image, of, you know, whiting out the background of an image. You know, that is something that, you know, I give to them all the time. Uh, packing boxes, um, you know, shipments, I, I enjoy it maybe because I see, you know, because I realize everyone that goes out is making us money. Um, you know, I do have an employee who does probably half of them, at least himself. Uh, on a given day, though, I'm I'm multitasking. I'm doing everything from leading software development, you know, handling customer service escalations, new customers, you know, sourcing new products for my own selling business. It's, um, yeah, it's never a dull moment. So the variety and you know and and you as a thinker right because that's what software you know programming is this probably i I always it dumbs me down a little bit it's like they always take pictures of me on this forklift that we have here i there's something thrilling about you know being a guy riding a forklift you know moving (laughs) the stupid pallet man there's something that's cool (laughs) yeah i've never i've never minded getting my hands dirty hmm Interesting. I think it's perspective, and I think I think it sounds like you got a great perspective. Okay, so what's next for Co-Merchant? What's uh, what's what's hot on the list? Obviously, eBay, as you said, next year, which makes perfect sense. Um, why use a third party? And you weren't criticizing Joe Lister. You're just sitting there saying, "Hey, you know, why have a extra step if you can reduce a step?" That makes perfect sense. What else are you guys working on so, that you can tell us? Yeah. So, so key thing we're doing now is we're working on a bulk keyword tool for Amazon. So there's a lot of great tools out there, you know, Helium 10, Scope, for doing keyword research. Scope is one of my sponsors. Be careful now. Nothing wrong with them. We use them. They're great. Okay. However, they take time, right? So if, you're, if, so if you have one, you know, five products, ten products, you can spend an hour on each of them, do your, do your research with one of these tools, get your keywords, dedupe them, and load them up into Amazon. And it is the best way to go, okay? However, if you're like me, or any RA seller out there, or most wholesale sellers, you have hundreds or thousands of products. And a lot of those products come and go, right? You, you, you buy five, you sell them, you're done. You move on to the next one. Right. The season's over, right? Especially in shoes. That's a good example, right? That line, they change next year. They make the stripe go yeah. up instead of down. Yeah. The, the skews change, or if you're Whatever. RA, yeah. you know, they, they sold out of the store, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So what happens to most of these sellers is they never keyword anything because they don't have the time. They have too many SKUs and or they may they may keyword, let's say, 10 or 20 that they have deeper stock on or that they need to get selling because they're going to be long term storage fee items. Right. So what happens to the other 500 or thousands of SKUs? They don't get keyworded, which means they will probably slow, sell a little slower. Um, and, and so what we decided to do because we were facing this problem ourselves is. Is there a way to cheaply and efficiently keyword someone's entire catalog? And that's what we built. Mm-hmm. We call it Easy Key. Uh, it's a new service. We're in our beta launch right now. And you, know, you can load up, let's say I have a thousand ASINs. I can load up a thousand ASINs. It will process through them. And a few hours later, it'll give me a file back and list 
keywords for each of those ASINs that are that follow all of Amazon best practices. They're 249 character bytes or less. They don't have any major brands in them. They dedu- you know, we dedupe it against you know words that are already in the title and bullets, and they're pretty good. You know, we we research competitors to to mine some of these keywords. So you basically get a string that you just need to paste into into um, your listing in Amazon and or have you you know give by ASIN right. So you get yeah. in that example, you loaded a thousand, you get a thousand results, new thousand results, and then you just fix each one over time again. That would be something that you would hand off to a, a VA. I mean, clearly, yeah, hand off to a VA, or we're developing a way to load them up via a file load into Amazon. Oh. So it can be done. You, like you know, you're in, we're in the middle of Christmas. If you have a thousand SKUs, wouldn't you like them to improve the velocity five, ten, twenty percent? Because that's what keywording does, right? I don't have the exact metrics, but keywording gives you more sales velocity, right? Because you're going to show up in more searches. So if you could take all your listings and keyword them for a very low cost, you know, and very low effort, wouldn't you do it? You know, and that and that's what we're what we're developing now. Um, and it's it's very very exciting. I mean, a lot of a lot of high volume sellers are calling you know game changing, right? Because well, you what you're describing though is back to you when we started the conversation is that you're looking co merchant came together because you were looking for a, an efficient easy way to get listings on right. at the time Jet, right? That's where you guys focused them originally was Jet, um, and then Walmart. That was the whole. That was your whole plan. I mean, this sounds very similar. Yeah, this is a little, a little different in that it's focusing on Amazon. So, right. so right. No, I get it, but it's still it's it's the efficiency and the easiness is where you're right going. because, and this is part of our slogan. You know, for sellers, buy sellers. Right, we're sellers too. We get it. We get that there's no time, and if tools can add an appreciable benefit for very little cost and effort, then those are tools we want. I always call them the employees that don't complain. They don't call off sick, right? They don't, you know, none of that stuff because that's that's what happens. In this case, they never do. Yep. Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Well, you guys are working on a lot of stuff. All right. And in the meantime, you're still a seller, and I think that that's what's important because you feel the same pains we do. Um, how do you – just give me the one-minute version of how you get around people saying, wait, Brian, you have access to my data. You're stealing all my listings. You do. You see it. Give me the one-minute version of disclaimer, please. We do not. We do not use any, any data of any of our customers. Uh, we do not pursue any of those products. We do not. You know, we don't even – we don't aggregate that data even. Um Beyond what I just said, where you know, like five, you know, people are seeing five okay. to ten percent. That's about the level of what we use. Um, okay, because uh, you would lose your reputation, and that—that's the thing that you got to have. There has to be some level of trust with the bank, right? When you put your money in the bank, how do you know those people aren't carrying it out the bank in, in suitcases? Well, there yeah, has to be some we, we level abs- of trust. Otherwise, you wouldn't do business. Yeah, with we them. absolutely do not. Um, we don't share that information, obviously, to anyone outside the company, and even internally, we will not pursue any products that we see our customers selling. Okay, that's fair. I mean, that's a fair thing. All right. So, you know, the goal of the podcast is to help people who get stuck. Um, and 
you know, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, ooh, just, I've asked where uh, best way to get in touch with you before I ask my question because it, it's a better close. So best way to get in touch, somebody has a follow-up question. So comerchant.com, I'm going to put the link there for uh, anybody who's <clears throat> interested in that service. But if they wanted to talk with you, is there a way that they can get a message to you? Yeah, they can just set, uh, email me at brian at comerchant.com. Brian with an I. Okay, Brian at comerchant.com. All right, I'll put that link there. Okay. So the goal of the podcast is to help people get stuck. And you've seen, you've got customers that have been stuck. What's the advice that you would give or what's the advice that you took that got you or your customers past the point of stuck? You know, um, it's tough because think about how many times you've been stuck, right? It depends how you're stuck. But for me, it's all about, you know, and this is uh, one of the other guys' podcasts, slogan is taking action right take action um test and learn right that that's probably what my slogan would be try Mm -hmm. it out try it out in something if you're thinking about something try it out in a small way even if you break even even if you lose a little money take action test and what was the final one well test and learn so and so so try something out test it out see if it works if it and then and then just pivot off that if you need to tweak it a little bit to get it to work better that is, um, you know, that, that's my philosophy. We, we try a lot of things. A lot, some things don't work. We shut them down. And we move on. But if you don't try. But they don't. I, mean, I think the key is that they don't all not work, right? There's something in it that worked. And you, like you said, you learn something from it, right? Something it was like, oh, okay, this happened. All right, that wasn't the result we wanted. However, these three things were the results we wanted, right? That's what I, that's my experience. Right. You, you figure out what, what works in your test and you double down on that and you, the things that don't work, you either fix or move on from. Oh, dude. Very, very good. All right. Well, great job. Um, Brian, I really appreciate you taking the time, especially during the busy Q4 period of time. No problem. You got a lot of stuff. You got. You better get those packages out today, my friend. I was, <laughs> Already done. You better get them done. All right. Hey, thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. Right. Thanks, Stephen. Great guy, great advice. Um, and he was nervous, and he's, you know, that's not his comfort level is talking like that. Um, and I definitely pulled some out of him. But, man, oh, man, when you get out of him, it's everything was just jewels, right? Just solid, solid advice from a real strong seller. I mean, I, to me, again, you know, having the VAs compliment what he's doing, but he understands where the value is. So he puts his focus there and then puts enough focus on these other things. This is smart thinking, really smart thinking. It just doesn't happen. It's intentional. And man, oh man, I'm, I'm better for that interview. Smart guy. Ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com. Take Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.